Hallelujah. Let's bless him all across this house. Let's give God great praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy of everything. All of my praise. All of my worship. Every hand clap. Every shout. Every dance. You're worthy of it all. Somebody give God a great big praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I love what I feel in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just give God a great big shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm so excited about what God's doing around here. God's just been moving in a mighty way. And I just look forward to every service in anticipation for what God's going to do. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It's good to see Brother Ryan in the house of the Lord with us. Now, some folks, man, we got a visitor in the back. Nope. Now, he tricked us with that Joe Dirt mullet. I didn't know what that was. But, man, it's so good thankful that uh, man you look good amen praise God he said pastor I'm going to do it and they're not going to know when I'm going to do it but I'm going to trick everybody and they're going to think I'm somebody different and it worked man it worked praise God thank you Jesus amen I love church just fun things happen in the kingdom of God praise God Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 just one portion of scripture tonight Familiar, but I hope to destigmatize it from just being a familiar scripture and really dive into it and go a little deeper with this tonight. Matthew 6 and verse 33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, we preached last week and taught last week about all the different things that we worry about and stress about that God is able to take care of. And we just have to practice the habit of trusting him for those things. That trust does not come naturally. It is an act of faith to trust God for every little thing. But he clarifies all of this and puts it together and puts a nice bow on it, saying that if you will do this, everything else, all these other things that we just talked about, Shall, everybody say shall, be added unto you. Now, I know that this, man, we, we use this verse all the time, talk about uh, giving, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but that's, that's, that's only one layer in which this verse can be used. When we really look at this verse, it is, if we can really get the revelation of what I feel like talking about tonight, I really believe that this can fix everything. Whatever you might be facing you can have it fixed if we get this right. Now, you might say, Pastor, that's a tall order. I don't know about that. But I promise you that if we were to really enact this verse, and I, now, we're not just called to know verses and know the Bible. We are called to live the Bible, metabolize the Bible, and the Bible talks about in the engrafted or engraved Word of God, which is able to save us. It's the, it's the slow etching until it becomes part of our being. This word has got to become flesh. 
And when this word becomes flesh in our lives, that becomes who we are, all these other things, Jesus said, shall be added unto you. What a powerful promise from God. I want to continue on in our subject of holy habits, part nine. We're going to talk tonight about God first. Everybody say God first. Amen. Let's set down our Bibles, lift up our hands, and let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah, Lord, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for the joy that I feel in this place, the liberty that I feel in this building. God, I know it comes because your spirit is here, Lord. And I believe in God that we're going to experience more liberty through this service and after this service than we've ever experienced. And I pray, God, that you take this word, engrave it, Lord, week by week, word by word, moment by moment, God, engrave this word into our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments here tonight. Amen. God first. This famous passage of Scripture is both an instruction and a promise from God. Amen. Every promise from God comes with instruction. The grace that Noah received from the Lord was not a blanket that he just was getting out of the flood, not doing anything, he was good to go. No, the grace of God for Noah was the fact that he was given the instructions on how to build a boat that would save his family and all those that would hear him. And so when God brings forth a promise into your life, he's also going to bring with that promise instruction. And when we read this verse, it holds both true Amen. We use this verse often as a greeting or a way to uh, try and help somebody that's looking for advice. And this is good advice. We simply say this phrase, put God first. That's a great phrase. And that's a good word. You should put God first. Amen. We should all put God first. In fact, you are here tonight as an act of faith that you are putting God first. Amen. You are in the church today because you believe that, that you should, in fact, put God first. That's a good phrase to say, but this verse has a deeper meaning than that. Notice, it does not say, put God first. It says, seek ye first. Now, there's a little bit of a difference. Seeking God first and putting God first are similar concepts but they have a subtle difference in their meaning. Putting God first is what we do to prioritize God above other things in our life. Putting God first means making him the top priority above our other wants, our other, our, our, our other needs, and our other desires. Putting God first involves living a life that is centered around God and is guided by his values, his principles, and his commandments. Putting God first uh, can involve making decisions that put God before anything else, even if those decisions are difficult or it goes against what you might have wanted otherwise. You have put God first. It's a placement. Amen. It's first out of five, first out of ten. Amen. You have put him first. That's important. We need to do that. We need to put God first. But seeking God first is not just what, it is how we show that God is a priority in our life. 
Seeking God first refers to pursuing God in every aspect of our lives with the intent of cultivating an active relationship with God. Seeking God first is using every scenario as an opportunity to deepen our relationship with God. In essence, seeking God first is about developing a closer relationship with God through the decision-making process, while putting God first is about making Him the highest priority in one's life when confronted with other choices. Both concepts are important to living a life that honors and glorifies God. Both concepts can be derived from the principle found in this verse. Let's break this verse down here tonight. The Bible says, seek, amen. That word seek means to pursue with the hope of cultivating an active relationship with God. Amen. Relationship is dynamic, not static. Amen. When we stop seeking, we start becoming stagnant. Uh, You've got to understand this here tonight because the Bible is not just saying place God in the first position. It is saying that we are to actively pursue God as first, as prime, as number one. Amen. We may not have committed the sin of idolatry, and that sin of idolatry simply means we put something before God, but we may have sinned by omitting in our pursuit of God. Let me help you understand this here tonight. I can, I can, have, I can put my wife as number one in my life, uh, but I, and, and I can have no other wives. Praise God for that. But I can omit the seeking of my wife. And I could say, well, I haven't sought other ladies, but I've omitted seeking my lady. Hallelujah. And if we're not careful, we will do the same thing with God. We, we may not be guilty of going and finding another God to worship, but we omit the fact that we've got a God that deserves our worship. Hallelujah. We may not go out looking for another one, but we don't take care of the one we got. We may not go searching for another God, but we're not currently searching for the one that we got. We might not go pursue other religions, but we're not currently pursuing the relationship with God right now. Amen. If you want all these other things to be added unto you, it starts by first pursuing the God that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, somebody give him praise here tonight. Seek is an active word. It's an action. We cannot be static with our relationship or stagnant with our relationship with God uh, because there's so many folks that they have become, they, they've, and, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we can have a moral system in place where God is a priority in our life, but we are not actively pursuing him. There's some folks that just got better habits than other people, but that doesn't mean you're doing it right. You may not be uh, getting a divorce, but you may not actively be pursuing a happy marriage. And it's all about the action of pursuing and seeking and going after God. Amen. I, I want us to understand uh, that we as a people of God are not just created to put God. That, that's idolatry when you can place God in a box or put God somewhere and just leave him there. 
and that's where he is. And anytime I want to access him, I go to where he is. That's what an idol is. You can go to it, you can bow to it, you can pray to it. But when you have an active relationship with God, it is constantly seeking because God is not stagnant. God is always moving. And so it's like the cloud and the fire in the Old Testament. Every time the pillar of cloud moved or the pillar of fire moved, they had to pack up their tents and say, we're going to go seek after God. Because we often think that because we sometimes get stagnant, that God is stagnant. God is ever moving. Amen. In fact, one of the first revelations in the Bible is the Spirit of God moved. God is not stagnant. God is not static. God is constantly moving. And if we're not careful, he'll be over here. And we're still over here saying, I put God first. And God's saying, but you didn't seek me about this. you got to come over to where I am. And when you come over to where I am, I've got more words for you. I, I don't just have a word for last year. i got a word for this year. Oh, somebody give God some praise. We can have systems in place that, that we think, and th this is the challenge. This is where we've got to be very careful. We can get religious, and religion's not a bad thing. The Bible talks about pure religion. It's a good thing. Amen. It is a system. But, but we cannot allow our relationship with God to only be a system where the only thing we do is everything we've ever done because God is actively moving. It's, it's again, the best way, and this way where Paul put it, he said, I show you a mystery uh, about, about Christ and his church. And he said, I'm going to start by using husbands and wives. You, 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 there's things that shift and things that change, not because uh, they, they, they uh, let's use an example here. Uh, you know, there's things where you might hate a food, and uh, if you have a, stag a static relationship, you think it's always that way. But you just find out uh, a couple years later they change their mind. Now, we understand God does not shift and God does not change. When we're talking about that, we're saying God does not shift and God does not change on great big things. He's not going to change on moral things. Uh, but we often see things in the Bible where God went to destroy people, but they repented. And God said, never mind, I'm not going to do that. In other words, God has the ability. Uh, he doesn't morph or change or mutate, but there is an element there of we think we figured God all the way out, and God says, but you missed this whole other side of me that there was, that if you'd have sought me, you'd have recognized. In other words, God doesn't fit in every single box. And if we try to think God fits in a box like a religion, we just put him in there and we let him go. But if we seek him, we'll find out that, that not everything fits in a perfect little box. This is the challenge with people that are just ethical. Uh, because ethics that are not based on logic, they are simply what they think is right and wrong. This is where moral relativity comes in. To one group that's ethical, they would say abortion is wrong. But to another group that's only ethical, understand the term ethical, is a group that says that if you are against abortion, you're wrong. Because their ethic says that it's, it's okay. And this other person's ethic says it's not okay. And there's people that if they're not careful, they will start thinking in terms of black and white only. And they don't allow themselves to move out of the boxed system of a, of, of a religious mindset where God is either this or he's either that. And God is multifaceted. And if we seek him, he will reveal more information to us. Amen. He will give us the logic in which we can base our ethic upon. He will give us the logic in which we can base our lifestyle on. But it all comes from seeking him. Man, we're not careful. We'll box God in and we'll say, okay, in, in the event of this, you do X, Y, or Z. But when we do that, 
we have now forgot that God is not static. God moves and God operates. And God can not only have a logical word, which is what his word written down says, but he can have a rhema word. That is a spoken word in a fit season. It's an opportune season. God can give you a word right now. Not every situation is black or white. There are some gray areas where you're going to have to pray and seek him first, and then God will tell you what to do in that particular situation. Amen. This is where some people get really, really uncomfortable. They don't know how to operate in those areas. They think, man, if it doesn't fit in one of these boxes, this was the challenge with the Pharisees. They were very ethical. And they thought if, if well, uh, your disciples are eating uh, corn on the Sabbath day, they're sinners. Put them in the box. Amen. But Jesus said, you you, you got to understand, God's multifaceted. The, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for the man and not man for the Sabbath. What he's doing is he's breaking it down, saying, if you'd have sought me over this, you'd have recognized that even when David was hungry, he walked into the place and got the showbread. Amen. Because David was not a static individual. He had a relationship with God. And in that moment, God would tell him, it's okay for your men to eat. They need to eat right now. And if they don't eat, they're going to die. Amen. And so David did something that all the Pharisees would say in a categorical box, this is wrong. Amen. But Jesus shows up and said, if you'd have sought me, I'd have given you provision for that moment. Amen. It's important for us to seek. We must not just have a religion. We must have a relationship where God can speak to us in that moment and in that time. Amen. Seek ye. Everybody say ye. That means you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. That means ye. I love the old English, man. <laughs> Everybody say you. Everybody say me. Okay, so who's supposed to seek? I am. I'm supposed to seek. Well, the pastor. Nope. The church. Nope. My spouse. Nope. My kid. Nope. I'll let somebody else do the legwork, and I will just, uh, and, and I, I, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday, uh, but you got to be careful that you don't fall in love with spark notes. Because spark notes are, are Moses sitting day and night before the people. And Jethro, his father-in-law, shows up and says, hey, why are you sitting in that seat all day hearing people's problems? And he goes, well, they've come to me and they got problems and they need an answer. So I, I sit here and I give it to them and I try to answer. And Jethro says, that's a bad idea. Any leader that knows it, that's a bad idea. Two reasons. The one we all know. He said, if you do that, you'll wear out. Let me just say it from the pastor's perspective. If you always seek me, I will get worn out. I, I'm not God. I can't do it all. Uh, now, I thank God. we got good people that, not, that, that, that are not like this. But uh, I know of other pastors. They, they get so burned out because people always seek them. He, but here's the other side of the coin. He said, in doing this, you'll wear the people out. Amen. Do you know that if you are always seeking, seeking a man or seeking the spark notes or seeking a quick answer, it will wear you out as well. Because you'll want a specific answer, and that man can't give you the specific answer. They can't tell you the, the, the issues that you're going through to the extreme that God can. Amen. And this is where we've got to be careful because we'll get addicted to going to Moses. Amen. When we should be addicted to seeking after God. Hallelujah. 
We can't just get a word from somebody else. You can't get a word from Google. You can't go and just get a word from your neighbor. You can't just get a word from your spouse. You can't just go get a word from your doctor. You can't just go get a word from a church member. You can't just go get a word from somebody that you love and somebody you trust. Somewhere along the lines, you got to get it up in your mind. I'm going to seek after God, the one that holds all the answers. Oh, somebody give the Lord some praise. Come on. It's not up to the individual to have the answers. It's got to be up to me as well to have an answer. The Bible says we should all have an answer, a reason of the hope that lies within us with meekness and with fear. The Bible says we should all search the scriptures, for in them they have eternal life, and they testify about Jesus. It is a personal responsibility to seek first, amen, to seek first after God. It's not somebody else's responsibility. Well, pastor, get up on Sunday and give me a word, and I'll do my best to give you a word. But, brother, on Monday morning, you better get up, grab your Bible, and get yourself a word. I'll try on Wednesday to bring you a word, but, brother, on Thursday morning, get up and get yourself a word. I'll pray for you, but, man, you got to get up and pray for yourself, too. Seek ye. Amen. As for me, notice how it starts. As for me and my house, it don't start with your house, sir. It starts with you. You want to get your house in order? Stop waiting for the wife to get in order, the kids to get in order. It starts with you, and that goes for both people in the party. Amen. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Uh, These words which I command you this day, uh, amen, in Deuteronomy 6, amen, 4, 5, 6, uh, all the way to verse number 10, uh, they shall be in your heart, uh, and then you shall teach them to your children. Uh, It starts at the top, and it trickles its way down to the bottom. It's got to start with me. Revival doesn't start with the pastor. Revival doesn't start with the church. Uh, Revival starts with the individual that says, I'm going to get it first. Uh, I'm going to seek first. Uh, And when I seek first, uh, I can share it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. I can't hide in your heart. Listen, I'm preaching in hopes to hide in your heart. But I recognize real quick, no matter how much I preach and how long I preach or short, I cannot put it in your heart. You have to have a love for the truth. I can teach it, preach it, screech it, do it all. But if you don't take that word and start engraving it and engrafting it and putting it in there, seek ye. If you don't do something about it, there's nothing I can say. I'm not the best order in the world. I'm sure trying to work on it. Uh, but no matter how great of an order I become, if you don't do something with the word that's been brought to you, nothing will change in your life. But if you make it up in your mind, uh, I'm going to be the one to seek. Uh, I'm going to be the one to pursue God. I'm going to be the one to try to get this thing right. I promise you all these other things will be added unto you. Oh, somebody clap and give God praise. Somebody clap and give God praise. Come on, seeking God is personal. Seeking God is not up to somebody else. It's up to me. Amen. It's not up to other people. It has to be up to me. Amen. Seek ye first. Let's talk about first for a moment. First is two, two words that we could talk about. Priority and sequence. Well, this one we're good at. Amen. We talk about sequence, but let's talk about priority for a minute. When we talk about priority, what does it mean? It means God must be your prime concern. And here's the thing about priority with God. God will not be first of one, uh, of three, first of five, first of ten, first of a hundred. 
He's one out of one. Hallelujah. He is the priority, not a priority. He's the priority. And after I get the priority, everything else can come after that. That's not a problem. But when we talk about God being the prime concern, this is how it looks like on a practical level. How does X affect my relationship with God? Not how does, how does God interfere with my relationship with this? Man, when I think about, when I think about hobbies and activities, I, I want to consider first and foremost, how is this affecting my relationship with God? When I am connected with other people, I want to find out not whether or not I can keep this relationship going between you and me, but I want to know how is this affecting my relationship with God. When I give myself over my time to other things, I want to know is this affecting my relationship with God? What am I doing? I'm putting God in the number one of number one spot. Amen. This is what Jesus meant when he said that if you're going to come after me, you've got you to hate your mother and hate your father and hate everybody else. Was Jesus saying you've got to hate people? No. He's saying that if you had to compare them to me, they're nothing to you. This is how it's got to be. We've got to be so ready to give our lives for God that nothing else, nobody else matters because he's the only priority in my life. Here's the beautiful thing about God, though. If you put him number one of number one, he'll give you all these other things as well. If you make sure he's the priority, not a priority, he gets everything else and he takes care of it. If you seek other things first, you will lose God and those things. But if you seek first God as a priority, he'll make sure all those other things are given unto you. Amen. So it's all about priority. What does God think about? You fill in the blank. This is not seek God about big decisions in my life only. Although you should. Amen. In fact, before you go ask somebody else's advice, let's talk about priority. Priority says, let me take care of God before I take care of anything else. Let me start by going to God about this big decision. Who you marry, before you go to your parents or that person you like, you ought to go to God and say, God, what do you think about this? Before you come to me, because uh, I'm not God, you ought to ask God, what do you think about this? Because you'll find that God will help you avoid a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble that no man ever could. And when you go to God first, God will take care of telling you what he wants to add to your life, what he wants to subtract from your life, what is helping, what is hindering. Amen. And so we look at it from that standpoint. we got to take care of God before we take care of anything else. If I have ten things to do, if there really is a list, God is my one of one. He's my priority. He's my prime concern. But if we're talking about sequence of time frames or day, uh, if I've got ten things to do today, I, I want God to have the first position in my life. Uh, uh, this is the concept of tithing. God does not want 10%. Turn your name and tell me God doesn't want 10%. That'll shock somebody. God does not want 10%. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the right word. God wants the first 10%. He wants the first. He does not want your leftovers. God doesn't want a tip. God doesn't want to be second place, third in line, after everybody gets their hand in the pot, then you show up. And, and some people go, well, why does God care about money? Because money is a revealer of things. And God is going to take that to teach us a lot of things about ourselves. If you ain't got your, if your money funny, other things in your life are funny. If you can get your money right and you put your treasure where it needs to be, your heart will follow after that treasure. And so God's saying before you start paying all this other stuff and doing all this other stuff, he said you take care of your relationship with me first uh, in sequence. 
Yeah, you got bills to pay. Yeah, you got other things. Uh, but you sequentially take care of God first. Uh, it's the first fruits uh, before anything else. Can I help somebody? It doesn't even mean God wants the best. That was the problem with Cain. He brought the best. He thought, man, I, I chose what I think is best. And God said, if that fruit was rotten, but it was the first one that was growing, that's what I wanted. And it's not for us to pick and choose what we think would be better. God's saying, just give me what is first. Amen. I, I think this would totally shift our mindset if we didn't just use it only when it comes to money. But if we started using this with our time. Amen. Before I pick up my cell phone, and I get it, it's hard sometimes when you're wanting to wake up. Amen. To do other things. It just, the blue light will wake you up. But instead of grabbing the phone, if I were to just start talking to God for a moment. Amen. What would happen if we started saying, God, you can have the first few minutes of my day you can have the first few thoughts of my day put God sequentially in the day put God sequentially amen in the in the bank account put God sequentially in your week put God first amen this is why we celebrate and we worship on Sunday not Saturday amen for those that think church is supposed to be on Saturday uh, I want you to understand why they, we no longer do that because Jesus rose on Sunday Amen. It's not to say that we wouldn't have church on Saturday. We ought to have church every day. But, but what is happening is Saturday is actually the last day. <laughs> so what makes the, what is the first day of Saturday is the last day? Hallelujah. That means it's Sunday. It's Sunday, which means God should have the first day of my week. Uh, before I go and do all these other things, uh, I'm not just waiting until the last day of my week to give God some time. Uh, amen. I'm going to come on on the first day of the week, and I'm going to give God praise. Uh, I'm going to show up on Sunday, and I'm going to seek first. Uh, I'm going to seek God with priority. I'm going to seek God with sequence. Woo. Amen. What are we to seek first? The kingdom of God. That means king in his domain. The kingdom, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Amen. The question to be asked is, am I kingdom-minded? What is my focus on? What's my attention on? Am I kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused? There's so many people that are worldly-focused, bills-focused, jobs-focused. But what about the kingdom? Amen. You'll have everybody else in this world uh, try to tell you you need to be focused on everything else. Every ad is trying to get you to focus on something else. Uh, I am a pastor. My job is to get you to focus on the kingdom. It's time to refocus, church. We got to get our mindset, amen, on the kingdom. God didn't put you in that job just to make money. What's the kingdom say about your job? The kingdom is for you to reach somebody on that job. God didn't just put you in that neighborhood because he likes the color of your house. But God put you in that neighborhood because there's a neighbor there that needs God. God didn't just put you in that family, sir, or that family, ma'am. Amen. God put you in there because there's a family member that's going to need God. Oh, somebody ought to clap and give God praise. It's a kingdom mindset. Oh, somebody shout and give God praise here tonight. Amen. We, we cannot allow ourselves to be so focused on everything else. I get it. There's so many distractions. But we've got to, this is what seeking first the kingdom of God really looks like. It is reshifting our focus back to what really matters. It's back to the kingdom of God. Amen. I've got to focus on the kingdom. Amen. Let's focus on the next part. It's not just the kingdom. It's his righteousness. That's the part most people miss in this verse. They seek the kingdom, but not what is right in the kingdom. Amen. They, 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 well, this is, this, this is in the kingdom, so it must be okay. It's, it's when people start getting out of order. 
understand that I, you know, I, I, it's in the kingdom for people to prophesy, so they start prophesying to everybody, but they're out of order. That's not in the kingdom's, that's not in the kingdom's righteousness. Amen. In other words, what is right according to God in this? What does God want from this? When we talk about seeking God first, it is a plug-and-play equation. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness according to what? What job you're going for. If you're looking for a job, this is where this verse comes into play. It's plug-and-play. You start going, okay, God, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. God, what is right according to you in this situation? What job would be right according to you? When you're seeking a spouse, it is saying, Lord, what spouse is the right spouse to have? A place to live. God, what is the right place for me to live? When it comes down to every small detail, not just big detail, it's really putting this into practice and saying, God, what would you have me to do? Let me break it down for somebody. When you are asking God what is right, you can be going somewhere. And listen, I don't want people to go so far where they just they can't do nothing without saying, well, Lord, what do you think? But I promise you, our lives might be a little better if we did that. But there's times where I, I, I pray this prayer. God, lead me to somebody that's hungry. Lead, lead me to somebody that's hungry. And then I start thinking about where to eat. Praise God. Let's be practical. You know, God, where, where would you have me go? Now, that might seem a little super spiritual for some folks, but that's, that's all right. Because it's work. It's work. God, because when I get there, I want to be on location. It is Philip who is praying and constantly praying without ceasing. He's not, he's not asking God, okay, now do I take a left or a right? No, he's, he's in constant communication seeking God. And God is able to speak to him because he's got his ears attuned. And God says, join yourself to that chariot. Listen, he's on the highway. There are chariots flying down the road. There are just camels and chariots. It's a bustling roadway. And God says, you see that one right there? You join yourself to that one. And when he knocks on the door, the guy opens it up, and he's got a Bible in his lap. Hallelujah. When we seek first the kingdom of God and what he considers right, God will show us the right way to go. God will tell us the right thing to do. When we don't know what to say, God will give us the right words. Uh, he said, you don't worry when they put you before magistrates. Uh, when you show up, if you are seeking first the kingdom of God, I will teach you what you ought to say. Uh, when I direct you and you follow my direction, uh, you will be on location when you need to be. What does this look like in the real world? God first and his righteousness first means sometimes you have to decline a job because it will take you out of church. I really could use the hours, but uh, I'm not missing church because that's not right. God first means sometimes you've got to rearrange your priorities. And God, what is the right priority? There's some folks that they've got, they've got some... Let, let's just break it down. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to teach and hopefully make sense here tonight. There are a lot of right things to do. Understand that? There's a lot of right things to do in life. But what's the first right thing to do? What do you do when you stack everything in your life together and they're all right? Paying bills is right. Taking care of your family is right. Going to church is right. What do you do when you stack all these things together and they're all right? It is in that moment when you seek God, God will help align what is right. And he will put them in the proper place. And if we follow the order that God has given us, he'll take care of everything else. Amen. I think we ought to lift up our hands and let's, let's pray. God, help me to rearrange my priorities. God, 
there's a lot of things that are right, but Lord, you know what is ultimately right. You know what is what is divinely right. You know what is the kingdom right. You know what is, amen, what you would say is the right thing to do. Somebody pray in this house. Amen. Here's the, here we go. We're coming to a close right here. Everybody say this after me. It shall be added. Shout it. It shall be added. Oh, God, what if I, you know, we get so in trouble when we start trying to figure it out on our own. Because we really are, I don't believe anybody in this room is saying, I want to do wrong things. You're not, you didn't come to church today because you're trying to do wrong things. You're trying to do right things. But as your pastor, I've got to help you understand that in the midst of doing right things, there's a priority to the right things. Man, it's it's the person that says, well, I gotta, I've got to pray all day, uh, and, and they're not paying the bills. And God's like, listen, prayer's good, but you need to go to work. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, what he says is right in that moment. Again, it's not a blanket statement because there's some folks, they work all the time, and they never pray. They're never at church, and they're paying bills. They're taking care of the family, but they're not doing what is right. But if they would seek first the kingdom of God, what he says is right, he would direct them and say, hey, listen, you got to go to work, but when you get off work, Hit the prayer room. Amen. Maybe on your lunch break, hit the prayer room. <laughs> Amen. Maybe maybe you just schedule things around. Say, I'll work every day of the week, every hour of the day, but just these times right here, I'm not doing that. And there's also times uh, where you got to carve out time for your family and say, listen, I've done all these other things, but God will start speaking to you about spending time with your wife and spending time with your kids and spending time with the dog. And God will get you out there in the garden and God will get you doing other things. And you won't realize what he's doing, but he's helping your mental health and he's taking care of your heart and he's making sure your health is okay we can get so out of balance if we don't seek first the kingdom of god is righteousness but if we do and we take this and again this I, I really want this is on my heart so strong i really believe that if we will take this and start applying this in a plug-and-play situation lord what would you have me do before i go to anybody else or anything else lord what do you think is right help me figure this out i promise god God, I've been doing this. God, God will help us recognize what is the right thing to do. And here's the beautiful thing. He takes care of the rest. It shall be added unto you. This promise is predicated on our pursuit of God that we just got done talking about. That if we will pursue God first, his kingdom first, what he says is right first. That God will take care of adding everything else to us. The idea behind this verse is that if we put God first in our lives and strive to live in a way that is pleasing to him, he will take care of our needs and provide for us in ways that we may not even imagine. He'll take care of things when we have been struggling to compute and figure it out and do the equation. God will take care of it in ways we just couldn't calculate. It encourages people to trust in God's provision and to not be overly concerned with the things of this world, but to focus our attention on God. Overall, we're coming to a close. Let's stand all across the building. Overall, this verse is a call to prioritize our relationship with God. And when we do that, we are trusting in his care for us. Let's talk about some basic ways to pursue God and seek God first. God's got to be first in my actions. God's got to be first in my conversation. God's got to be first in my thoughts. One of the ways we can seek God first is through prayer and meditation, spending our time in quiet reflection, talking with God, asking for clarity, asking for direction in our lives. 
When we seek God in prayer, we are opening ourselves up to his guidance, his wisdom, which can help us make decisions that are in line with his will for us. Another way that we can seek God first and what is right by God is by reading and studying his word. We only know what he says is right by what he has written down and what he has spoken to us. Amen. The Bible is God's word to us. It's full of wisdom and guidance. When we read this word, he will show us the right choice to make, the right direction to go. In addition to prayer and study, we can serve. Amen. We can get, seek God first by serving others. In other words, getting involved in what God wants you to be involved in. Loving because God loved. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is invested in you, and God is invested in your neighbor, and God is invested in the person that's not even in church. And if you will go after investing in that person, God will help you as well. Finally, I'd like to encourage us here tonight to seek God first in our relationships. Whether it's our marriages, our families, our friendships, we need to make sure God is the center and the glue of everything, amen, every relationship that we have. Because every relationship that is not founded on God is not helping you. You've, it's not just the marriage relationship. The friends that we have, they are, they are either helping us or they are hindering us. I want that friendship to be rooted in God. If you've got friends that all you do is talk around and gossip, Brother, you ain't seeking first the kingdom of God and what he says is right. There's some folks, the moment they get offended, they want to go tell somebody else and gossip about it. The problem is they did not seek first God and his righteousness. When they do that, God would say, hey, listen, and God would speak a quick word. I promise you, I've been there. Anybody else ever been there? I mean, I wanted to be offended or bitter, and I had relationships in my life that I wanted to go tell them because that was the first thing. It was a little quicker and easier to get it off my chest, and I... Took a moment, not always, but there's times I took a moment. I said, God, I don't like this. And I started seeking God first in that situation. Can you believe it? God started working on some stuff in here where by the time he was done, it didn't bother me anymore. In fact, it made me a better person. That's what happens. When we seek God first, he said, all these other things will be added unto you. The promise of God's provision for those that follow this principle. There's several things I could talk about, but let me just give you three. Seeking God first brings peace. Everybody say peace. When we seek God first, we're able to experience peace that passes all understanding. This peace comes from knowing that God is in control of our lives, that he has a plan for us. When we surrender our worries and our fears to God, he takes them and he gives us peace in return. When we stop being in control of everything, he steps into that place because we let him step into that place. And he gives us calm and he gives us peace. In the midst of chaos and uncertainty, we've given it to God. We've sought God first about it and God gives us peace. Somebody put it best. If you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Oh, what a peace it is when we just lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to seek you first about this. God, you just tell me what I need to focus on. And God will start telling you and, you and I what we need to focus on. And when we do that, he will take care of all the other things. Number two, seeking God brings joy. Everybody say joy. Psalms 5 and 11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice, and let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. 
And let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. When we seek God first, we are filled with a joy that cannot be taken away. This joy is a result of being in close relationship with God. This joy comes from the fact that we know him well enough that we have learned to trust in Jesus. We are experiencing his love and his grace. We grow in relationship with God. Our joy becomes more and more evident. We are able to share it with those around us because we know that God has got it all under control because I have put God first in my life. God has promised to take care of all those other things. Amen. Number three, seeking God first brings purpose. Everybody say purpose. Psalms 37 and 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When we seek God first, we are allowing him to order our steps. God creates in us, amen, this, this opportunity that as we trust in him, as we seek him first, he is giving us an opportunity to let him be in control of the next step. Doesn't that take all the guesswork out of it? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and God delights in the man that lets his steps be ordered. God, what am I, what am I going to do about X, Y, or Z? Again, this is a plug and play. You put this in wherever you're living. God, what do I got to do about this? God, what should I feel about this? What should I think about this? Not, 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 hey, what, what do you think? Don't take a census and a poll. Brother Ryan, what do you think I should feel about this? Should I be offended or bitter? What do you, no. You go to God and you say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And when you get to that place, God will bring peace, God will bring joy, but you know what else he'll do? He'll bring purpose. And as you walk in there, he'll put, he'll help you know what the next step is. You put that step forward and you take another step. Joseph! They threw you in a pit. I don't know what to do. And you're sold off to Potiphar. I don't know what to do. But on all this time, he's got a relationship with God. He's putting God first. Amen. Not his flesh. When Potiphar's wife tries to entice him, no, he puts God first. And he talks to God about it. They put him in a prison, falsely accuse him. But can you believe it? By the time it's all said and done, he's in a palace. God ordered his steps and brought him directly where his purpose was meant to be. You know some of the things we're the most frustrated about? That if we would start praying about it and seeking God first about it, God would start revealing to us a purpose in that. There is a purpose in pain. There is a purpose in despair. There is a purpose in all of the issues of life. And if we will let God order our steps and take those steps, we will get a sense of purpose. But it all starts by seeking God first. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things are added piece by piece, step by step. And God adds them to us. But it starts by seeking Him first. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, church, let's lift up, lift up our voices and let's pray. Father, we love you, Jesus. We worship you. Come on, there's some folks in this house. You're wondering what to do, where to go. There's a lot of things surrounding you. But right now, if you would just put God at the primary position, not just put God first, but go after God and ask God about these circumstances and say, God, what do you think about this? It's more than just a prayer meeting to get a quick answer. It's saying, Lord, would you order my steps? God, would you help me get on location? Uh, there, there, there's some times where you don't know what you're going through, but God knows exactly what you're going through, and God's doing, doing it on purpose, and God is directing you on purpose, but you've got to be willing to let God direct your paths. You've got to be willing, amen, to put God, amen, as the guidance. You've got to put God as the GPS and say, Lord, you tell me what step to take, where to go, and what to do. I'm going to seek you first. What do you think is right? In fact, I want to open up this altar. Would you come down to the altar? Let that be your prayer.
Come on, let this be our prayer tonight. I want to I want to seek you first, God. In fact, pray about it, Lord. Are there areas in my life and in my mind and in my heart where I have not put you first and not been seeking you? I've been seeking counsel from other people, other situations, other things. God, I've been getting my word from maybe my own mind, my own thought process. But Lord, I don't want to have foolish counsel, not even my own counsel. Maybe I've been taking advice from my heart. My heart is going to deceive me. Lord, you know the heart. You try the reins. God, would you help me to understand what direction I should go, what steps I should take? Come on, right now, there's going to be peace coming into your life. There's going to be joy coming into your life. There's going to be purpose coming into your life. But it starts by seeking first the kingdom of God and He's in his righteousness. Order my steps, God. Order my steps, O oh Lord. Order my steps, O oh Lord. You don't have to wait till it's something serious. You can say, God, right here in this little area of my life, what do you think? I'm pursuing you about this, God. He'll add everything else. Come on. Go after God first. He'll take care of everything else. Seek God first. He'll take care of everything else. Come on, that's it. Let's pray in this house. Come on, this is a systemic change for somebody. Your first response is to hop on your phone. Your first response is to hop on Google. Your first response is to always go to somebody else. Your first response is to think it out yourself and work it out by yourself. But tonight, let your systemic change be, God, I'm going to you first. I'm going to you first. I'm going to you first. And you're going to help me. You're going to teach me. You're going to train me.
Come on, that's it. Let's pray all across this building. Somebody lift up your voice. Right now, there are more situations in this church and more situations in your family that you have got to go to God first. They will work out if you go to God first. He will order your steps if you go to God first. You will have peace about it if you go to God first. There will be joy if you go to God first. So let's take a few more moments to just pray in the Holy Ghost. Somebody's getting their breakthrough right now. Come on, go to God. Run after Jesus. Run after Jesus. It'll take care of itself when you run after Jesus. Walk 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift up your hands all across this building. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me talk to somebody for just a moment. You know, God gave us choice. That is the gift. That is what differentiates us from other beings, even angelic beings. We have a choice. The challenge is we have so many choices. And it is part of our nature to automate our decisions. This is where we create habits. This is where we create ruts. You know, there's a rut. There's just, it's just a, a canal. You just can't get out of it. So we create this rut, this system, go back and forth because we automate it. And things in our life never change because the system never changes. But in a moment like this, we're getting an opportunity to get out of the rut. Because it actually is saying, Lord, why is God first one of the holy habits we're talking about? Because it's a habit that must be cultivated. We got bad ruts, but we can have some good ones too, right? We have bad habits, but we can have good habits too. And in that moment, if we are so used to automating our decisions, where every decision goes straight to do it or don't do it, not consider it, pray about it, think about it, well, we're going to consistently be rolling the dice in life. And we get what we get. We make a decision because somewhere up in our brain we just thought it was a good idea, and then we find out later it was a bad idea. And then sometimes, just like any gambler, you think you won because it worked out. But if we could create a habit where we start marching it out with all the millions of decisions we make every day and say, Lord, before I make one decision, help me to start cultivating, even in the littlest of decisions, this habit. Lord, what do you think? I promise if we would do that, it will change everything. I'm working on making that a deeper habit where it's not just on the big stuff. Because listen, when you, all, when you don't know what to do and you're a little concerned and a little confused, that's usually when we say this is a big God problem. But sometimes, even in those, if we've gotten into the rut of just making our own decisions and then thinking it through ourselves and doing all the work all up here by ourselves, we get in the habit of not needing God, not using God, even though he's completely available, and we start doing it all by ourselves. I know I'm not the only one that's lived that. I know there's a lot of people in this building that live that. But if we can get a habit in place, even in the small things, that says, Lord, what do you think? I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to pursue you first over this. We would find that God would order our steps. And we would not be walking as blindly. We would not be gambling with our lives. We would be making an educated decision and we would know this is going to be all right because I obeyed what God told me to do. Let me give some practicals. We create a habit of asking God. Uh, there's some business owners in this house and you, you've you got it so good. You're so skilled. You go in and you bid the job at what you think. But what would happen if you prayed and said, Lord, before I even give them a bid, what do you think? And you might find out the job that you would have missed because you would have bid too high 
they're going to give you because you listen to what God gave you. And there's times you would have bid yourself way too low. I'm just using a practical example here. That God will say double it. And you'll walk in and go, hmm, your brain says no, that's a bad idea. But all of a sudden, you just doubled your income. Praise God, he knows best. That's a, that's a, a human example. But what would happen if we started making that habit? Lord, what do you think? God, where, where, where should we go this week? Is there anything that maybe on our weekly agenda that we should add to our weekly agenda? And you might feel God directing you somewhere. And when you show up on location, there is somebody there that God wants you to meet with. I believe we'd have a lot more God connections if we involve God even in the littlest of decisions. Amen. Here's the best part about this holy habit. We have unlimited potential to practice it. You driving home tonight? Lord, what direction should we drive home tonight? You'd be shocked. There's some ice on some of these roadways. But you take a different roadway and you find out you didn't hit ice and somebody else did. These are, these are very extreme examples. But God is interested in every detail of our lives. And he cares about every detail of our lives. And if we start taking it to him and say, Lord, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Make it a habit. Make it a habit. Make it a habit. Man, God's going to open up, and this, this life's going to be even more beautiful. He will add all these other things unto us. Lift up your hands one more time as we pray. Father, we love you. We thank you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your people, God. I thank you, Lord, that we get to be in a church of people that are hungry for you, God, that have a, have, have a purpose, God, that have a desire to seek after you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm thankful to worship alongside this group of people. God, I pray that you would help us to involve you in every aspect of our lives, to bring you in, to put you first, to seek you first, to pursue you before anything else, and God, to pursue you in every decision that we make. And Lord, I believe that in the midst of that, we're going to find joy, we're going to find peace, and we are going to find the purpose of God in our lives. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Let's come ready uh, for revival on Sunday. Amen. Pray about who God wants you to invite. In Jesus' name, God bless you.